Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a negative episode, the first of the season. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. We're talking a 1-0 win in the Champions League against Portuguese champions Benfica and then a shock defeat. Um, a terrible defeat to Huddersfield Town, 1-0 on Saturday afternoon. That needs plenty of discussion. In more positive news, we've got our, our unparalleled youth and loan roundup, as always, with the under-18 scoring six for the second consecutive game and a draw in the UEFA Youth League against Benfica as United come from behind to draw 2-2 away from home. Jack, I mean, where do we start? The, the worst result of the season, no question, and it, it could well remain the worst result of the season when we look back on, on the whole year in May. Um terrible all round let's hope it does stay this is the worst result of the season because I don't want to see us playing any worse than that again it was <laughs> yeah honestly just such a shocking uh, defeat I think not necessarily just because we lost but almost because of the way that we played it was just diabolical from start to finish I actually thought for once that what Mourinho said after the game was pretty much spot on actually in that he refused to blame individual mistakes because obviously they cost us the goals but at the end of the day, in the context of the whole game, we did not deserve to get anything out of that game. Huddersfield were better than us all over the pitch. And it was just a disastrous performance from start to finish. Yep, everything about it. Um, yeah, not just individual areas. Uh, the entire performance, apart from um, perhaps Nemanja Matic, ev- everyone can leave that with many, many, many mistakes from, to learn from. Um, obviously, particularly Victor Lindelof and, and Juan Mata, we'll move on to that in a second. But overall, terrible performance. Um, Terrible attitude, as Mourinho said after, and as Ander Herrera said after. And when your own players are saying my attitude was poor, then, um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's difficult to see any any positive in that. It, it's really astonishing that a Manchester United player can come out after a game and say my attitude and my teammates' attitude were poor. Like that is shocking. In, in some ways, it's it's worse than just saying you, that you got played off the park in in a game because. 
you know, the quality isn't something that you can necessarily bridge that gap to. Like, if you look down our teams, there is no question that we are a far more, a far better side than Huddersfield. But when you come to a game and you apply yourselves in that way, you're just asking for defeat. And, you know, I, I don't always don't know what to think about what Herrera said. I don't know whether to admire him for coming out and admitting it or to think, well, why, why was that the case? You know, you can't, surely as a, as a Man United player, you can't just come out onto a pitch and, I think, oh, today I'm not really going to work hard, you know, I just don't feel like it. And, and, and that's, that's just wrong. Um, it, it was, yeah, honestly, just a pathetic performance. Even before Phil Jones went off, and I think this game, one thing this game really does do is highlight how important he has been this season. Even before Jones went off, although we didn't look like conceding, we never looked entirely comfortable in the game. We couldn't really get a foothold in the game. Uh, the uh, attacking, going forward, we were just, Diabolical. There was no fluidity in what we were doing going forward. Everyone seemed to just be almost playing on their own. There was no interchange, which is such a strange performance, especially coming off of what was not a great performance, but a, a solid win in midweek. And all the good form that we've shown up till now, which is such a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, Tom Ince, obviously son of Paul, came out after the game and said, well, look, we've played Spurs, we've played Manchester City. Exact quote, when you look at United, they're obviously a top-quality side, but they don't really play with the same fluidity as your Spurs or your Man Cities. And we know that. It's, it's a different style of football, but you'd say our style of football can go wrong, you would you would say. Um, a, a serious inability to break down a, a team with a with a deep defensive line. And for a big club like United, that's, that's a key skill you need because... Most of the games you're playing in the Premier League and even in the Champions League, you look at our, our games against CSK, sitting back, Basel sitting back, even when they were 3-0 down, Basel sitting back. That's the kind of game we're in most weeks, usually two times a week. Um, and you have to ask, what, what's changed since the run of, of 4-0s? Pogba, yes, but we've, we've done it without him against Basel, against CSK. Um, Mkhitaryan's form a tiny bit, Fellaini a bit. Um, it's A lot of things have come together to generate this this result which some people have said has been coming and others have been completely shocked by. I think it's a combination of all those things. Obviously the Pogba injury I don't think can be overlooked. Ultimately Pogba is by far our best outfield player and we've seen how much we've missed him in the last month or so. Even when we were still playing, still getting the results that we wanted, we still weren't playing like we were when Pogba was in the team. The Fellaini injury I think is a big one as well because Although he's a very different kind of player to Paul Pogba, he still did a very, very good job when he came into the team. And he provided a bit more like physicality, a bit more steel into that midfield, which, and as much as a lot of our fans love Herrera, he, he just doesn't really give us it. He, he does have a bit more quality on the ball. When you've already got the likes of Matic, Mkhitaryan, Matter in there, you don't necessarily need that extra quality unless you've got so much extra quality like Pogba does that it's actually going to make a, a huge difference. Um, I think also the injuries at the back aren't helping. I, obviously, this doesn't really affect us going forward, but just the organisation qualities of Bay and Jones, they were really starting to form a very good partnership and they're obviously at the back now, we're looking a lot more shaky. But it is strange to see how bad we've looked going forward because, as you said, really, in the front line, there's not been any anyone missing. Vicatarian's um, form maybe has dropped off, but, I mean, if we're honest, even even at the start of the season, his form wasn't great. He just popped up with a, with assists every game, but his general play was still pretty poor. So I don't really know what, what exactly has happened, but whatever it is, it needs to be sorted out fast. And Jose Mourinho needs to have a good week on the training ground. It needs to get us prepared because we're now going into Tottenham and then Chelsea. And this could potentially be a season-defining couple of weeks because if we come out of these next two games with zero points, 
and what one point from a possible twelve since the Liverpool game, and then we're in real big trouble. Um, and it starts to look a lot like like last season. So whatever is going on, it needs to be sorted out. It needs to be sorted out fast um, because we have a very very testing run coming up. Yeah. I mean, at that, if we lose to Spurs and Chelsea, we could be even dropping out of the top four, which is incredible, given our our electric starts to the season. Um, yeah, it's it's a combination of a lot of things, and, and thankfully, it's not not our job to to fix them. But it's it's also quite hard to fix them because we have got Swansea City on Tuesday in the in the League Cup, and with quite a lengthy list of injuries, and not just a lengthy list, but an, a list of injuries to to really really key players. Um, Eric Bai, Phil Jones, Paul Pogba, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, as well as Marin Fellaini, um, and a couple of others. And Marcus Rojo as well. Yeah, it's it's both lengthy and key players. So we've got not much time. We've got Swansea on Tuesday, then we've got Spurs on Saturday, then we've got Benfica again in the Champions League, and then Chelsea, and then we've got the international break, and all of our players go away. We there's not a lot of time to to fix something that we can't recognize. We can recognize, but obviously needs more than than what we can see. Um, and a Herrera, we spoke about his comments, but just on performances compared to last season is is astonishing, terrible, um, ill-disciplined, cl- classic Ander Herrera in the way that he frustrates you in the sort of com- completely losing his head and sort of just shooting from like 30 yards. Apart from his goal against Yeovil, I can't remember a genuinely good Ander Herrera shot because the one he scored against Arsenal in the 3-2 <laughs> deflects off Koscielny and goes past Czech. Apart yeah. from the goal against Yeovil, which is fantastic and a really satisfying goal, Herrera's shooting record is terrible. I don't know why he keeps going for it, but that's not even the, the main problem. He's yet, even a single moment this season, there's not a single moment, let alone a game, where I've been impressed by Herrera. I, I honestly am so shocked about how badly it's performed. And no, don't get me wrong, it's not like he was world-class at any point last season, but he was always a solid, reliable performer. And, and it's just, I don't know what's happened this season. It's like, Every, and I, I, I was banging on about this last week as well, so I apologise for going on about this all the time. But I, what frustrates me so much about Herrera is when he receives the ball from people and the first time he does this sort of like, I called it a shovel pass last week. It's just more like a, a clip upfield to basically no one. And it's it's such a, I, I mean, I guess it's designed to try and relieve the pressure, relieve pressure and get the team up the field. But it's just such a, an awful pass to, to play. And he does it so often, especially when we are under pressure, when... Actually, what you need is you need someone with a little bit of composure who can keep the ball for you. Um, yeah, it's been an awful, awful start to the season for Herrera. I mean, like, like I said last week, you can just see this from the way he's even dropped below Fellaini now. And as last season, that wasn't something that we ever thought was thinkable. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. But unfortunately, we don't really have many other options to partner Matic um, in midfield. So the quicker we get either Pogba or Fellaini back, the better in my eyes. Yep, um, Victor Lindelof, the worst of a, of a woeful bunch. I mean, Phil Jones has proved himself to be the centre-back that United were kind of looking for in the transfer window the, that United needed to sign. And obviously, he went off injured. Victor Lindelof has, has certainly not proved himself to be that man. Um, I mean, you do have to say, poor start United, but no different... Uh, I saw Andy Mitten tweet, it's no different to David De Gea, um, who had two seasons poor. Nemanja Vidic and Evra struggled in their first six months after after joining in, in January. Going even further back, Gary Pallister struggled. I suppose it's it's our job as United fans to support Lindelof. But in the dressing room and in the coaching staff, you'd expect someone to be having a proper go. Um, supporting as well, but making making him aware of 
what needs to happen in the next sort of six months or so if he's going to make it at United. But we do we do have to continue supporting him. But terrible, terrible mistake. Um, really, really bad. Yeah, it really was. And I think what, what was even more frustrating about it was that he was actually put, coming off his best performance in a United shirt against Benfica as well. He actually played pretty well in midweek. He looked relatively solid. He was good on the ball. And, and then at Huddersfield, it just all kind of went to pot. I don't know if it was because he, he came on so he, and maybe maybe coming on as a substitute kind of threw him. He was thrown into a game that he wasn't ready for. But whatever it was, it just it was unacceptable. And then obviously after after the mistake, his confidence was shot for the whole game. He was getting turned inside out pretty much every time Huddersfield came forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I, f- I feel for him, but there's also, you know, this is a ruthless business and it, if, if he's going to keep making mistakes like that, then there's no room for him on, on the pitch. Unfortunately, like you said, I'd expect some very frank conversations with him this, this week at, at Carrington, laying out, you know, expectations and what he has to do to stay at Man United long term, basically. Um, and like you said, it's not all it's not all definitely going to be downhill from here. We've had players before that have struggled early on, but I mean, the signs at the moment aren't good. And Lindelof, every time he plays, looks very, very uncomfortable. He seems to not like physicality. Um, and in the Premier League, that's definitely an issue. Yeah. I mean, the real issue is that he, he's lacked physically and in the air, but he's yet to really show his brilliance as a, as a ball-playing centre-back as well, which is why we, why we assume he was signed. And he's yet to really show his quality in that area as well, which I think is frustrating United fans because we haven't seen his best bits and we've certainly seen his worst bits. Mkhitaryan, terrible. Nemanja Matic, I mean, another immense shift. In a, in a terrible team, he, he came out with some with some pride. Vital to attacks and vital in defence as well. He'd be right up the outside of the edge of the box creating attacks and um, racing back afterwards to, to get in defence. Without a doubt, our best player uh, on Saturday against Huddersfield he was probably, like you said, the only one who could come out of that game with any sort of pride in the way that he played. He was very, very good. He snuffed out so many Huddersfield counter-attacks, especially in the second half when you know, we had Huddersfield under the cosh and there was a lot of times when Huddersfield were trying to get out and Matic was always there sweeping up outside the box or chasing back if they did manage to spring some kind of counter-attack. Yeah, very, very good. And, and his kind of incisive passing has become, especially in the absence of Pogba, has become so important to us going forward as well. Yep. Um, big question this week. I saw this after the Benfica game, but even more even more relevant after the loss at Huddersfield. Do you think United have lost momentum by not going for it at Anfield? And that even if even if we'd lost, we still would have kept that momentum and kept the sort of the cogs ticking inside the, the attacking unit of the team. And maybe long term that could have been a better tactic and getting one less point but losing but still playing in the same kind of way. Do you think we could have seen the benefits against Benfica and Huddersfield? I don't know. I, I think I, I honestly don't think so. Um, as, as much as the Liverpool game was painful to watch at times, you know, you look at it. If we'd have grinded out, I mean, we did grind out a one 0 win over Benfica. If we'd have then gone to Huddersfield and salvaged a win out of that game, whether it was a scrappy win or, or, or we played very well, everyone would be saying it's a masterclass. You know, our great point at Anfield. You know, we could have gone all out and lost the game. Um, and I suppose having seen what Tottenham did to Liverpool yesterday um, probably makes calls for the, makes kind of this argument stronger for maybe we should have gone out and played more attacking at, at Anfield. But ultimately, I don't think it would have affected the following games too much. We seem to have recovered okay by the time we played Benfica. It wasn't a great performance, but we've seen us set up like this before um, away in Europe. And ultimately, I think the players have to be better than that. You know, these are world class players or 
at least aspiring world-class players, that we want to be world-class. And they have to be able to deal with this. They know that tactics are going to change from, from one game to the next, and they have to be the ones to take some of the responsibility here as well. It's, it's a tough question. I mean, it's completely hypothetical as well, so also a bit of a rubbish question. But it's, it's interesting to think about, um, at least. But we've we've had enough talk about about that draw at Anfield from from other people in the in the media. I mean, in terms of an entire week for United, going from the Liverpool game on Saturday to the Huddersfield game, similar time the week after that sort of eight day period, it's not been a great one for Mourinho and United. I mean, Mourinho spent sort of the first half of the week sort of arguing with the media about whether he was pragmatic or just defensive and sort of defending himself against a barrage of attacks and attacking the media himself and attacking Conte and, and Klopp and other people. And then the other half of his of his time in the week was him saying that he wanted to go to Paris Saint-Germain. It's, it's not a great week. And yeah, even just in the media, it's not a great week before you even look at the performances. And I, I, I mean, this is what comes with Jose Mourinho, but... It's you've just got to, you've just got to ride through it, I guess. Yeah, it's frustrating, I think, especially when we were coming off the back of two not great performances against Liverpool and Benfica. Seeing this kind of just distractions in the media, I think it's, you just don't need it. I, like you said, we know we're going to get this from from Mourinho, and I understand that this is part of of him and his personality. But I, I do think he needs to tone it down to some degree because talking about what he wants to do after Man United is not helpful when. We're in the midst of what we hope will be will be a title challenge. So, I think he does need something. Like I said, I actually thought his comments after the game was one of the few times when I've actually agreed with pretty much everything that Jose Mourinho has said. Um, and, and yeah, it does frustrate me some of the things that he comes out with. But I think we do have to just ride it out and accept it, um, and hope that what he says off the pitch does not affect what we what we do on it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's just the, the sort of the siege mentality. It's usually us against the world, and it's it it does work. It brings that sort of feeling in the squad. You win titles. You win. It's one in Champions League. It's one in trebles even. But then, at some point, basically at every club, it falls apart and the team crumbles. And you just hope at United that the the good period can last longer than than the crumbly period, and then it has done at other clubs, and that we can win a title before it all falls apart, if it is going to fall apart. I mean, you would think it would. And even even though it's gone better than a lot of people expected for Mourinho at United, that it still seems unlikely he'll be at the club for more than four or five years. But you just hope that things don't fall apart before we've won a title, before we've challenged for the Champions League. But that's the only worry. Yeah, it's sad in a way that we have to kind of think, in, think like that, isn't it? Um, but, I mean... Like I said, it is, I think, something that we have to get used to. I don't particularly like having to get used to it, but if he is able to win us some trophies, especially the Premier League, then I think, you know, it will be, uh, it, it will, it will be worth it in the end. Last week, we brought you news of a 6-2 victory for the under-18s against Wolves. This week, their excellent form continued with another victory as they scored six goals again for the second consecutive game, this time against Middlesbrough in a 6-1 win in the under-18 Premier League. In midweek, while the first team beat Benfica 1-0, the under-nine teams, managed by Nicky Butt, came from behind to draw 2-2 away from home in the UEFA Youth League. After poor performance, a penalty from Josh Bowie got United back in the game and then the English striker scored a wonderful individual goal in the 90th minute to give United the draw. 
Bowie holding onto the ball for about 10 seconds, evading the attention of four or five players and then pulling it into the bottom left corner from outside the box. The under-23s face Liverpool as we're recording this episode. In low news, Sam Johnston continued his good form for Aston Villa as Steve Bruce made clear his intentions to bring the Man United goalkeeper to Villa Park on a permanent deal next summer. Regan Poole started for Northampton Town. Devontae Redmond and Cameron Borthwick-Jackson still aren't seeing much action at Scunthorpe United and Leeds United respectively. Matty Willick was an unused sub for FC Utrecht against AZ Alkmaar in a 3-0 defeat. And in international use, Angel Gomez didn't start for England under-17s as they made it into the World Cup semi-finals with a comfortable victory against USA. Right, Swansea City EFL Cup, Tuesday night, away from home. Very quickly on this, not the most important game, but we could do with a with a comfortable win. Um, you'd expect a few people, many players to be rested for for Spurs, but even then, not got the greatest squad depth and Nemanja Matic could, <laughs> could do with the rest. I, mean, I think he's played every game this season except one for club and country. So he could do with the rest, but it's, it's hard to see him getting one at the moment. But the score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. Yeah, I'll, take, I'll go for 3-1. Just because for some reason I, I feel I, I have a duty to, to go different to you. But there we go. <laughs> um, and then Spurs, the really big game. Um, level on, on points at the moment. We're, we're leading on goal difference thanks to our flurry of, of four no wins early in the season. Um, but they, they absolutely ripped Liverpool apart and you, you told, our, our way record this season has been pretty poor. We got a, a, just about got a one nil will at Southampton, nil nil at Anfield, two two at Stoke. Um, obviously the, the Swansea game at, at the Liberty where we're going back to on Tuesday was, was the only game where, away game where we've really dominated and, well, we didn't even dominate that game to, to a huge extent. We just got three very quick late goals. But that was a, that was a great result. Away form hasn't been great. You hope Spurs at home. We can, we've really flourished at home and, and blossomed as a team. Hopefully we can show that against Spurs. Yeah, another, another 4 0 win. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's going to be a, definitely a tough game. Spurs are going to be riding high on confidence after they hammered Liverpool yesterday. And the same, I mean, you said pretty much the exact opposite for us after what's been, without a doubt, our worst week of the season so far. Hopefully, we can go into the game with a little bit of momentum, having beaten Swansea, let's hope. But yeah, it's hard to, I think it's hard to feel that confident going into this game. But having said that, Spurs came to Old Trafford last season, that's probably the worst they've, they've looked in a long, long time. So, perhaps that's a good omen for us. I think we've, we've not had a terrible record against Spurs in recent times, so, Hopefully we can put in a good performance. It'd be nice to see Lukaku getting on the score sheet again, um, just to get his confidence up. Um, and seeing us actually try and, and play our style of football, not not just cowering, sitting back against Spurs. I think we need to go at them um, and actually try and play our way. Absolutely. Impose ourselves on the opposition for once, rather than, yeah. than waiting for them to, to make a mistake. Can't quite see that happening. I'm going to go with a... I think for the first time this season, I'm going to predict us not to win and go for a... I feel I feel bad. I'm going to go for a two-one Spurs win and hopefully jinx it for them. I'm also not going to predict us to win. Um, in fact, speaking of predictions, the only good thing to come out of this week, pretty much, was I think I got my first ever prediction right on here for the Benfica game—a scrappy one-nil win. <laughs> but it's only taking, now only back to probably years. getting it wrong every week, uh, I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Bit more positive than me. Anyway, um, that's all we have time for on Series 3, Episode 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as always. You can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me 
on Twitter at, at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end. Um, hopefully more positive next week. Our first, our first negative episode of the season and quite a negative one of that, apart from, apart from our under 18s. They're doing well. Anyway, thanks for listening as always. Have a great week. Goodbye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.